Hi, this is Chris Sorensen. Welcome to Brookville Road Community Church Podcast. If you haven't done so already, please take a moment to check out our website at brookvilleroad.cc for all the latest information about what's going on at Community Church. I hope the following message inspires you to take your next step in becoming a wholehearted follower of Jesus Christ. Enjoy. Today, we're starting a new series. I'm calling it Hope Epidemic. And I know that sounds kind of like strange. Generally, you use the word epidemic if it's something bad. But uh, epidemic is something that spreads. And we want to spread some hope. And it's my desire and my prayer that from this group of people, from us, there would be hope that would spread throughout our communities. And we would show people kindness and love. And we would love people regardless. And we would show just remarkable kindness to others. So, uh, let me ask you a question. It's just rhetorical. You don't have to say anything out loud. When I say the word Christian, what's the first word that comes to your mind? If we were to say that word to a non-Christian, how would a non-Christian, what would the first word come to their mind when we say Christian? For a lot of non-Christians, that word would be hypocrite or judgmental. There's this thing in the business world where companies do something called branding. And companies will create a brand and they'll want to create a logo for that brand in order to create brand awareness. Check out some of these logos. You'll recognize them. And so when people see these, they immediately recognize the brand and what they're hoping is to to build some brand loyalty. And so there's loyalty to those, those brands. Check out this brand. For 2,000 years now, there has been loyalty to that brand. I saw some time ago a documentary that stated that McDonald's golden arches are more widely recognized than the cross of Jesus. I remember hearing a speaker one time talk about how uh, there was an individual who went to a jewelry store and they were going to buy a cross necklace for their spouse. And so they went to buy this cross and, and the lady working the counter said, do you want one with a man on it or without a man on it? She didn't know that the cross represented the place that Jesus hung. And for 2,000 years now, people have kind of been representing this brand, and many of us will take that brand and wear it around our neck, but I'm wondering if that brand has actually gotten inside of your heart, if you have been branded with God Almighty, and rather than just wearing a cross, you carry with you the brand of Jesus Christ and other people recognize him in your life. So we need to be sold out to his cause so that we can say, no matter what and whatever it takes, we want people to come to know Jesus. So does the brand have a hold of your heart and your life, not just in symbol, but in reality internally? And I believe this is something that Jesus is talking about when we read Matthew chapter 5, Beginning in verse 13, I know we've been in Matthew for a period of time, and we've already covered Matthew 5, but I want to come back here and look at this one verse today. He says, you are the salt of the earth, but if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. Jesus says, you are the salt of the earth. Now, the presence of salt makes a difference. For instance, one of the things that salt does, it's a preservative. But in order to be a preservative, the salt has to come into contact with the thing with which it is preserving. 
And so Jesus would look at his followers and say, I want you to be branded by me so that you then come into contact with others who don't know me so they'll know what I'm like. We carry the brand of Jesus, not just simply for ourselves, we carry it so that others will know who he is and what he came to do. We are to be uh, reflecting his image. In fact, that's how we got the term Christian. The term Christian came along as a derogatory term. Christian means little Christ. So people were walking around and they looked like Jesus and they say, there goes a little Christ. And that is what we are to be. We are to be branded by the Spirit of God, and we carry him around everywhere. So when Jesus says, you are the salt of the earth, he's saying, you need to live your life in such a way that whomever you come into contact with is forever changed, forever transformed. And so people are watching you. They're watching me. As followers of Jesus Christ, they're listening. They're paying attention. And so what I want us to do over the next five weeks is just have a heightened awareness of our impact in our communities, in whatever domain God has put you in. Will people see the brand of Jesus in your life? That means if you're a student and, and you're going to school, welcome back to school, by the way, do other students there know that you're a follower of Jesus? If you're married, can people see in your marriage that it's built around Jesus Christ? If you're single, does, does your behavior carry yourself in such a way that people say, there goes a person who's been branded by Jesus? And so it, it is this salt that's coming into contact with others. And then Jesus says, if salt loses its flavor, what, what good is it for? So when we begin to lose the values in the heart of God, we begin to lose our ability to begin to affect the culture around us. So there is this, this salty kind of taste to us. When you know salt, you know it. Like you can taste it immediately. You know wherever salt is at. It stands out. So as Christians, when we go out into the world, we're to stand out. We aren't to just simply blend in with the culture and look like everybody else. We stand out. We have a different worldview, a different lens the world looks through a lens one way, but we have a, a, a worldview that's based around our faith in God and the brand that he has placed on the inside of us when he has made us new in Jesus Christ. And in our culture today, what gets noticed, if we're going to go out into the culture and get, be noticed because we're preservative, because uh, we, we are unique, then what gets noticed is really what's remarkable. It used to be in business that there were three ways that a product would get noticed. Price, promotion, and placement on the shelf. Nowadays, if you're going to notice something, you're gonna notice it because it's remarkable, because it stands out. Uh, Seth Godin, in his book, The Purple Cow, he said, if you wanna stand out and have people remark, then you must do something remarkable. And so if it's worth remarking, it's remarkable. And I believe that the God of the universe would take somebody who is dead, breathe life into their spirit, take up residence on the inside of them with the Holy Spirit, I would say that's remarkable. You, as a follower of Jesus, a Christian, a little Christ, you are to be remarkably marked by the maker. You are to be remarkably marked by the maker. And so what happens if we are the salt of the earth what then occurs is, in local churches, in essence, they become the salt shaker. 
the, the place in which all of the salt gathers. And a lot of times in churches, they become the place where the salt is too afraid to get out of the shaker or they're too apathetic about the world around them. But there are churches and people gathered as salt where they go out into the world and they do things that are actually remarkable. Not because they say they are remarkable, but people are remarking. Did you see the kindness in that person? Did you see the love in that person? I can see Christ in them. They've been branded by Jesus. And I believe this happens when we are willing to be kind. I want to read a story that exemplifies this. It's in a book called A Meal with Jesus, written by Tim Chester, and he relays an account that happened to a gentleman, a minister named Tony Campalo. Tony Campalo tells of a time when he was speaking in Honolulu, Hawaii. Campalo lives on the east coast of the United States, so his body was six hours ahead of Hawaiian time. So at three o'clock in the morning, it felt like nine o'clock to him. Awake and hungry for breakfast, he found himself in a greasy spoon cafe in the early hours of the morning. As he bit into his donut, eight or nine prostitutes walked in. They had just finished for the night. Their talk was loud and crude, and it was difficult to avoid listening in. He heard one tell the others it was her birthday the following day. What do you want from me, a birthday cake? Was the sarcastic reply. Why be so mean, she replied. I was just telling you. I don't expect anything. I've never had a birthday party. I'm not expecting one now. When Kampalo heard this, he made a decision. When the women left, he went over to the cafe owner, a guy called Harry. Do they always come in here? Yeah, said Harry. Including the one who sat next to me? Yes, that's Agnes. Why do you want to know? Because I heard her say it's her birthday tomorrow, and I thought we might throw her a party. Pause. Then a smile grew across Harry's lips. That'd be a great idea. A moment later, Harry's wife was in on the plot. Half past two the next morning, Campalo had brought decorations and Harry had baked a cake. Word had got out and it seemed as if every prostitute in Honolulu was in the cafe, plus Campalo, a preacher. When Agnes entered with her friends, she was flabbergasted. Her mouth fell open and her knees wobbled. As she sat on a stool, everyone sang happy birthday. Blow out the candles, people shouted. But in the end, Harry had to do it for her. Then he handed her a knife. Cut the cake, Agnes, so we can all have some. She looked at the cake, then slowly said, is it all right? Would you mind if I wait a little longer if we didn't eat it straight away? Sure, it's okay, said Harry. Take it home if you want. Can I, she said. Can I take it home now? I'll be back in a few minutes. And with that, she left, carrying her precious cake out of the cafe. There was a stunned silence. And so Campalo said, what do you say we pray? And they did. Campalo led a group of prostitutes in prayer at 3.30 in the morning. When they were done, Harry said, hey, you never told me you were some kind of preacher. What kind of church do you belong to? Campalo answered, I belong to a church that throws birthday parties for prostitutes at 3.30 in the morning. Harry waited for a moment. Then he kind of sneered, no, you don't. There's no church like that. If there was, I'd join it. I'd join a church like that. Campalo comments, wouldn't we all? Wouldn't we all love to join a church that throws birthday parties for prostitutes at 3.30 in the morning? Anybody who reads the New Testament will dis discover a Jesus who loved prostitutes and all kinds of left out people. 
The tax collectors and sinners loved him. The lepers of society found in him someone who would eat and drink with them. And while the solemnly pious people could not relate to what he was about, those lonely people who usually didn't get invited to parties took to him with excitement. God has called the church to get out of the salt shaker and to be remarkable to the world. And something is not remarkable just simply because we say we're remarkable. We can't say, hey, we're great and we're awesome and we're remarkable and nobody's talking about us. What is remarkable is when you do something kind, when you show love, then people start talking. They are remarking that is remarkable. And what will get the attention of this world around us is when the people of God, branded by God, raise the kindness bar in their lives. And that means that you and I, with Christ in us, need to be kind. Kind at home, and kind at school, and kind at work, and kind in public, and kind in private, kind in the light, and kind in the dark. And when the kindness begins to leave our heart and our lives, it's at that moment that people don't matter to us anymore. When there's no kindness in our lives, then we'll start taking people and we'll just go ahead and we'll put them in a category and then we'll take ourselves and we'll put ourselves in another category and we'll separate ourselves in such a way. And the Apostle Paul talks about this in Romans. In Romans 2, he's telling people, hey, you, you are, are classifying others and judging others when you're doing the very same things that you are doing. In fact, this is what it says in Romans 2.4. Or do you presume on the riches of his kindness and forbearance and patience? Forbearance and patience is the mercy of God. God, God could unleash his wrath on us, every single one of us who have sinned, but he has chosen not to because he's kind. And he's given us some time here so that others can come to know him. So are you presuming on the riches of his kindness and forbearance and patience, not knowing that God's kindness is meant to lead you to repentance? And so I want to ask you, how's the kindness level in your heart I mean, if you were just to do some self-evaluation here, like on a little scale in your life, where's that kindness meter? Where is that bar at? What if we allowed God to pour his kindness into our hearts? If we understood the kindness and the mercy and the grace of God in such a way that it began to fill our hearts and then we were kind to others, not just simply judgmental or pushing away from them, but moving in their direction to take the kindness that God has poured into our hearts to pour on them. What if we allowed the love of God to fill our cup so much that it begins to overflow on other people who are around us? I would venture a guess and say that if you are not feeling the love of God right now, it's because you are not showing his love to others. Because once that cup gets filled up, you've got to do something with it and take the love of God that he has placed in your heart and then give it to somebody else. Now your cup is empty once again, ready for the love of God to be filled in you so that you might once again give it away. What would happen if we lived that kind of life? Jesus loved people. He showed them kindness. He was kind to those who were far from God in order to lead them to repentance. What if we did the same? What if we did the same thing? I think one of the missing ingredients in the life of a Christian too often is kindness. Just the kindness of God. The love of God displayed to others. 
It's easy to be kind to our tribe. I mean, it's easy to be kind to come in this room and know we've got people like us and, and we look good and we talk good and we're kind to one another. It's a whole other thing to be kind to the world around us. That's why as a church, our values are to love God, to love the church, and to love the world around us. But all too often, Christians are tempted to gather together in the salt shaker, stay with one another, and never get out among the world to show the love and kindness of God. I'm telling you, when, when too much salt is in one place, it is nasty. Anybody ever had a spoonful of salt? Anybody ever had cookies that were made where somebody mixed up the sugar and the salt? Yuck. So it's easy for us to stay with one another, but that is not the call of God. He has called us to, yes, be together, and then to go out and to be branded by him so that others might know who he is and then lead them to repentance. We've got to be Christ to non-Christians who are around us. We have to be salt to them. Jesus came as a friend to sinners. We see this numerous times in Scripture over and over. He's coming close to those who are far from God. We see it, in fact, with Matthew, the guy that we're studying, the book that's written in the Bible. Matthew was a tax collector. Nobody, nobody holy and righteous wanted to be around a tax collector. They're a bunch of liars and thieves. Then Jesus comes up to Matthew and says, hey, I, why, follow me. Let's do life. Let's hang out. And Matthew's like, that sounds great. Jesus went to Matthew's house. Matthew chapter 9, verse 10. And as Jesus reclined at table in Matthew's house, behold, many tax collectors and sinners came and were reclining with Jesus and his disciples. And so they're just kicking back, they're hanging out, they're chilling at Matthew's house. And when the Pharisees saw this, they said to his disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? But when Jesus heard it, he said, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. Go and learn what this means. I desire mercy. Again, forbearance, patience. I desire mercy and not sacrifice, for I came not to call the righteous but sinners. Jesus came to get close to people who were far from God. Jesus gladly spent time with sinners. He gladly spent time who were willing to listen to his teaching. Jesus was a friend of sinners, not because he winked at sin, not because he enjoyed immorality, not because he was looking for people to kind of be his friend if he would affirm their lifestyle. No, he was a friend of sinners in order to lead them to repentance. That's the gospel. That though they were lost, he would move in their direction out of the, the kind, mercy, forbearance, and patience of the Father to move towards them so they might see God's kindness and be moved towards his heart and then be transformed so the love of God would be poured into their heart so that they might do the very same thing. What could God do with a community of believers who understood that? What could God do with a group of people who are sold out to show the kindness and the love of God for his fame and for his glory? What could God do with a group of people who would be willing to just spread an epidemic of hope to others and kindness and love? Wouldn't it be something if a group of people began to take the love that God had poured into their heart and then made a difference in Greenfield and New Pal and East Indy? What could God do with a group of people like that? And so for the next five weeks, we're gonna look for opportunities to be kind. Remarkable kindness, not so that people see us, but they see God. Not so that we grow a church or do anything like that, but that we begin to raise the level of kindness 
in our communities? What would happen if whole churches around this world began to do that very same thing? Too often, churches are in maintenance mode, and they're just kind of trying to hold it all together, like, hey, let's cluster together, let's all stay together, and we're really afraid of culture, and I hope culture doesn't touch us, but what would happen if the church as a whole got out and impacted the culture with the love of God that had been poured into their hearts? We don't need to be afraid. We need to be branded. We need to move forward in faith, showing the love of God to every single person. What if we change the culture? And kindness does something to the world that is extraordinary and it's not deserved. It is God's kindness that leads people to repentance. And it will happen when we get out and we become remarkable for God. So we're asking you to do simple acts of kindness. Just simple things. Some of you, uh, maybe you'd like to buy somebody's meal. Uh, Maybe you'll buy somebody's Starbucks. Maybe it's not about money. You'll, you'll go sweep someone's sidewalk, mow somebody's lawn, open, open doors for people. Whatever kind act that God leads you to do, just do it. Just do it. Uh, you, go to, you go to Meyer, you go to the parking lot, you see all those, you know, uh, all the shopping carts that are out there. Move, somebody has to move them. Move them. Don't get frustrated with the person who can't walk 20 more feet after they've walked two miles in Meyer. Just do it. Just move, move the cart. Uh, There's all kinds of things that you can do at the back as you go at those tables. There's a big list. We put together a list of ways that you can show kindness in our community. Uh, You don't have to do these, but maybe it'll spur an idea. Maybe your family will choose one of these or something else or your your growth group, your small group will get together and you'll do something together. You'll say, what can we do that's creative? You begin to pray, God, what is it today? Would you, would you lead me to be kind to somebody? Open my eyes and open my heart so that I might give away your kindness to others. So a whole list of ideas back there. Uh, we put together business cards. They're business card size. And so uh, if you're doing something kind or you're doing something super anonymous, you can attach this card to it. And it just simply says this. I want to show God's love for you. No strings attached. Enjoy. You're loved. That's it. It has a, a website on there hopeepidemic.cc, because I think if somebody gets a card like this, um, they're going to wonder, what was that all about? And if you don't want to go through the big, long list of why you're doing this, you're blessed to be a blessing, I'm just showing the kindness of God, and you're handing them this, they can go to hopeepidemic.cc. And when they get there, they'll learn a little bit more about what's happening. And this isn't branded to our church. This This isn't our church website. This is a site that people can go and get more information. There is a place on there that says, uh, you want more hope, here's a list of churches you can go to. Go to Indian Creek, go to Trader's Point, go to Mercy Road, go to Brandywine, find a place, find some hope. We're in that list, but this isn't about a gimmick to make this church larger. This is about loving people regardless. This is about raising the kindness level. This is about expanding the kingdom of God, of taking what he's poured into our hearts and just giving it to others. We can't let it sit inside here any longer, so we're gonna find opportunities, and I believe that as we do this, hope will spread. There's a place on that website where people can share their stories. Uh, Just, they'll hit send, and it'll wind up in in my email, and uh, I'll be able to read it. They won't know that it's going to me, but I just think there'll be opportunities where people, you may not hear what happened as a result of your kindness. Maybe you pay for somebody's gas, and they, you didn't know it, but they had no more money. And there was no way for them to get to work except for you doing that, and they send us a little note, and we read it. Maybe there's something that God does to your heart. It's a miracle. You said, God, would you lead me to somebody that I can encourage? And God speaks to you 
in a way that you had never heard before, and then an encounter happens at work or in the public someplace, and you're touched, and you can share that story as well. And I'd love to share those with you. Now, as you go outside, uh, there's that cube that's sitting out in the cafe, and it says uh, something about the hope that we want to see in our community. Jot what you'd like to see on that. Uh, let's, let's, let's begin to raise the kindness bar. Let's begin to spread some hope around us. Just hope, just kindness and love that God has given to us. On your chair when you came in, you, you noticed there an envelope. Not everybody got one of these on, the, on your chair. So if you didn't get one on your chair uh, after service, you can go back to the connection corner. If there's some left, uh, you'll pick one up there. Uh, if you've not opened it up, on the inside, uh, you'll see that there's a coupon in there for one free dilly bar, all right? Uh, that dilly bar is not for you, all right? It's, it's for somebody else. We, we just want you to, we want a simple way for you to walk up to whomever. It could be somebody at work or somebody at school, I don't care, but just walk up to somebody. It could be a stranger and be like, here. We just want the ball to get rolling. Maybe you want to put something else in there with it. That's fine. And again, it just says, I want to show God's love for you. No strings attached. Enjoy, you're loved. Who doesn't want a dilly bar? Give me yours if you don't want your dilly bar. That's fine. <laughs> And by the way, you didn't buy these dilly bars. The church didn't pay for these. I had a generous donor say that they would be willing to get the ball rolling on kindness, and they bought 1,100 dilly bars. <laughs> Find a way of spreading some hope and kindness to others. And again, when you're, when you're doing this, this isn't about you and you looking good. This is about our God and him looking good. It's okay if others see kind acts. That's fine. As long as they know it's coming from God. There's no way that I would be kind on my own. On my own, I was selfish. That dilly bar would be for me. But because of God, he's changed my perspective. He's changed the way that I love. It's not me first. Find ways to be kind. They say that 2% of change in any culture will change that culture. And I believe that what we do as a community will begin to change our communities. Why would we do this? We do it because people matter to God. Everyone is someone who will spend eternity somewhere. And it is the kindness of God that leads them to repentance. The salt has got to get out of the salt shaker. And it will cost you something. It costs Jesus something. Jesus gave us his very best when he showed us kindness when he displayed the forbearance and the patience of God and he hung on the cross for us. Thank you, Jesus, for your kindness. Some of you, you'll make a phone call or send an email to a family or friend and you are gonna brighten their day. Others of you, you're going to extend forgiveness rather than revenge. Some of you will give money away. Some of you will give your time away. But as a result of what you do, hope will rise once again for five weeks. Let's just let God mess with us and watch what he does when we open our hearts to his kindness to flow through us to others. Can we get out of the salt shaker and show the world around us the remarkable kindness of our God? I think so. I think we can do this. Let's pray. Father, I'm excited about what lies ahead as we start pushing and providing some momentum in our communities with kindness, I pray that it spreads. I pray that it grows beyond our local church. Let other churches start doing this too. 
I pray that it begins to move into communities and neighborhoods and that more and more people begin to experience the loving kindness that you have poured into our hearts. And that kindness would then lead them to repentance. Transform us. Change our hearts. If there are things in our heart where there is selfishness, Lord, root that away. Allow us to begin to look not only to the needs of ourselves, but to the needs of others. And I look forward, Father, to the way that your Holy Spirit is going to move this congregation and speak to us and bring honor and fame to the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, for his glory. Amen. Once again, thanks for listening. If you live in the area and are looking for a church home, we'd love for you to join us at one of our weekend worship services. For service times and information about BRCC, be sure to check out brookvilleroad.cc. God bless you.